Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The best way to have a town hall out on the range is to sit down and eat some peyote and see what the cacti ask me. It's high noon for Friday, October 16th, 2020. Last night, we had dueling town halls. Not not the kind of duel that we like in the Old West. But just simultaneously streaming and airing on ABC and NBC. The Clash of the Titans. Joe Biden got asked questions by... George Stephanopoulos, the former Clinton staffer who has donated to the Clinton Foundation. Among the town hall guests that asked Joe Biden questions were a former Obama speechwriter and a wife of a former Pennsylvania Democratic candidate. Very undecided, as you might imagine. Wonder how they found them. Anyway, uh, Joe Biden was very calm and slow and remarkably coherent for Joe Biden. And so that is all anyone needs to want to vote for him, apparently. Doesn't matter that he believes in eight-year-old transgender kids as if they are fully aware of the dynamics of gender in their totally undeveloped age of eight, where their parents make roughly every decision for them. That's strange. Joe Biden also recounted a moment back with his father in the 1950s where he saw two men kissing on the street and his father relayed the important message that they're just in love. Seems like that probably didn't happen. Joe Biden decided that the way to solve the extraordinarily rare 
problem of police shooting unarmed black men would be for the police to shoot them in the leg instead of center mass, defying all weapons training and putting them invariably in harm's way. An utterly stupefying claim about policing, which only indicates things like you don't know anything about policing or guns, but you do listen to, to AOC and woke Twitter because that's the only world in which that can make sense. Joe Biden was also open to court packing, depending on the result of the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation. The result of that is kind of already baked into the cake. It is a certainty that she will be confirmed early next week. So what he's saying is that then he will say he will pack the court to try to drive leftist voter turnout. And he probably will not pack the court, but who knows, honestly. I mean, if you're trying to end the electoral college, add two states, end the filibuster, and you're considering adding Supreme Court justices so that you can manufacture an ideological advantage in the Supreme Court, you really don't care too much about the stability of the country or the Constitution or how the system works. You're basically just giving up, saying, hey, hey, United States, it was a good run. But now we're just the republic of, of democratic tyranny. And you can have tyranny by the majority, by the way. Our, our system was set up to prevent that. If the founders thought direct democracy was a good idea, they would have promoted that. But people who have studied society, political philosophy for the thousands of years know that direct democracy is not a good idea. The ancient Greeks knew that. The fact that we have people on the internet now deciding that direct democracy is a good idea based on how they constantly think they're being treated unfairly is just a mark of cultural decline and historical illiteracy and a total inability to perform si simple exercises of critical thinking. If you want a clear example, you could just look at California's ballot measure system and see how poor the results of that abandonment of duties by our legislatures turns out. Joe Biden, as you might imagine, was not asked about Hunter Biden and all of the stuff that's come out in the last few days and the stuff that will continue to come out. And there's been no explanation for that, of course, because the media is trying to 
maintain that this is somehow a Russian disinformation operation. And that doesn't make sense. And people have written to me about this too. And like, they're, they're mad that it's an October surprise. Like it didn't have to be the FBI had this hard drive late last year. They could have, uh, disclosed this stuff and, and gone to the media with this stuff. The country could have had this conversation and then chosen whether or not to nominate Joe Biden during the primary process. But that information was held back. And this is where we are now. Should Trump not use this? Should the Trump campaign not use this? Should the media not tell the public that this is what's gone on with Joe Biden and his family and himself? This is corruption. It's in the emails. The campaign's not disputing that the emails are real, that the hard drive exists. So are we supposed to believe that the Russian disinformation operation, which they're just using a new definition of disinformation now, disinformation is just whatever they don't like. That is going to be a catch-all excuse for real pictures and real emails that show real corruption. Got it. And we're being told that it is patriotic not to care about this story. Because if you do care about it, then you're aiding Russian disinformation. Except there's no proof at all that this is Russian disinformation. There's no proof that it's disinformation of any sort. And again, the Biden campaign isn't denying that the emails are real. Because they are real. And this stuff did happen. And there's nothing surprising about this. A lot of this stuff has been out there for a while. The, this, the story is not new. These emails are new. The story's not new at all. People have known this. People put Biden up as the nominee anyway. So I don't understand the claims that it's not fair. And it's being claimed by people who are more than happy to release whatever they have on Trump at any time. To not ask Joe Biden questions about that is journalistic malpractice. And are they going to rely on the idea that the audience members simply didn't care enough to ask? The former Obama speechwriter didn't care enough to ask. This is just so clownishly silly. And so Trump did his competing town hall with Savannah Guthrie on NBC. And Savannah Guthrie's goal, apparently, was to create Trump sound bites and force him into responses to her questions to that end. She asked him repeatedly about whether or not he condemns 
white supremacy, which he has done in the past over and over and over, did do at the first debate and then did again last night repeatedly. But that wasn't good enough for her because she kept asking like, well, don't you understand that you have hesitated in the past to do that? He's like, no, I don't understand that because I've done it. I've done it many times. Like, how annoying can you be? And the crazy thing is that these media people are so obsessed with Twitter and the uh, the storylines on Twitter and the things that their colleagues say on Twitter that they will do their job in service of what those people want. Because they know the next day people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Savannah Guthrie totally slammed the president on his failure to denounce white supremacy. And we're going to continue calling people who say that smart. That is just such a stupid, stupid statement. Because he hasn't continually failed to denounce white supremacy. In fact, he's done the exact opposite. And Savannah Guthrie didn't slam him or pwn him or obliterate him or destroy him on the question. She just nagged him. And I'm not saying nag as in a female thing. Male reporters nag him too. Chris Wallace nagged him at the debate. It's a ridiculous assertion. It's a preposterous lie. Chris Wallace repeated the lie that Trump said there were good people on both sides and that he was referring to neo-Nazis and white supremacists when he specifically in that statement said he was not referring to them. So that's nagging too. Savannah Guthrie would challenge every one of his responses to the audience questions. Joe Biden, of course, received none of that challenging. Immediately after Trump denounced white supremacists multiple more times, she, he, he then said that he denounces Antifa and the left-wing radicals who are burning down cities across America. And then she asked him to denounce QAnon. And he said, well, I don't really know much about QAnon. And she says that it's basically a defined theory that is about a satanic cabal of Democrat politicians engaged in a pedophilia ring and that Donald Trump is the savior for that, which is not what it is. And Trump said, well, I don't really know anything about it. And she goes, I just told you. And he's like, yeah, well, you telling me doesn't exactly make that a fact. And he's right. What she's saying is factually untrue. Now, does Trump know more about Q than what he let on in his answer? Probably. But he should not be forced to denounce something that he's not really aware of. This is the same thing with the Proud Boys. Like, if you describe something to me 
and tell me something that I've never heard of or that I've heard of only loosely and tell me that I should denounce it. The only responsible thing to say is if it's the way you say it is, I suppose I can denounce it, but I would much prefer to actually find out for myself what that thing is and then decide for myself whether or not I find it to be morally problematic in a way that means I should denounce it. But now we've just got this trend where you just force people into denouncing things. And if they do anything other than denounce that thing right away, they're painted as a racist or homophobe or a conspiracy theorist. And that's absurd. Q and QAnon are not even the same thing. I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast. I'll say it again for anybody who hasn't heard that episode. Q is not necessarily real. Q is either a psyop, totally could be, some genius in a basement somewhere. And by genius, I mean truly genius storyteller. For someone to make all of that up would be honestly incredible. I would be extremely impressed. Just the, the, the story building and world building of it would be f- a phenomenal accomplishment in storytelling. Apart from any statement about its truth value. Or the other option is that it's totally real. And that it is what people say it is. Which is one person who's close to Trump, who's probably former military who's laying out the information for people to research on their own and come to the conclusions about what powerful people in our government have been doing for decades. And a lot of that is about the attempt to take Trump down in 2016 by Hillary Clinton with the knowledge of Obama and with the help of the FBI and the CIA. That is not outlandish. There is plenty of real world evidence pointing to that conclusion. Documents released by our intelligence community showing records of them discussing and briefing it in 2016 are out there. To believe that all of that is just also Russian disinformation is crazy. And so if Q, the entity Q, talks about that stuff, why is that wrong? Now, Q Anon is different. Anons are the people that follow the Q posts and then interact and try to post research from the things Q says. And their theories may be outlandish and not attached to reality at all, but that doesn't mean that they are representative of Q. It's two entirely distinct entities. And what the media does is they take the most fringe beliefs from the most fringe elements of the Anons 
and then ascribe those positions to the entirety of the thing. And that is either an ignorant misleading or it's an intentional one. And considering that anyone can just go look at Q posts, you have to think that it's intentional, that they are obscuring what the main thing is and using ancillary followers who have their own theories and their own stuff going on to make the whole thing sound far more crazy and far more extreme than it is. Because there's nothing particularly extreme about the Q posts. You can, you know, criticize their content, make fun of the language that's used, concern yourself with the abbreviations and the code and the military style communication. You can refuse to believe the whole thing. But it's not like a responsible media thing to intentionally confuse the public and readers about what that thing is. And Barack Obama did it himself last night or yesterday in some sort of interview because now he's joining the Biden campaign at the last moment because Joe Biden's so far ahead, of course. But are we to believe that Obama has never been filled in on what Q actually is? And so why the lying about it? You know, like there's enough reason to disbelieve Q just on its own. Different people have different standards of proof for that sort of stuff. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people with a lot of um, rather outlandish prior opinions who interpret the things that Q says in incorrect ways that confirm their priors and lead them to believe that truly fringe beliefs are 100% true. I'm not doubting that at all. Lots of people believe lots of crazy shit. The entire left right now believes that the way to solve racism is by dividing everyone by race and then setting different laws for people. So how's that for a fringe? There are always crazy people. Trump doesn't need to go around denouncing what crazy people online say. And where does it stop? Does he have to denounce every single thing they call a conspiracy theory? Why didn't they ask him to denounce the, the Hunter Biden tapes and emails and photographs? I said tapes. That's so anachronistic. That's so Gen X of me. It's not on a VCR for fuck's sake. But yeah, there's apparently videos and there are apparently sex tapes of Hunter Biden. And the story goes that the Chinese have them and the Russians have them. And 
that there's a lot of evidence on a lot of other Democrats besides Joe and Hunter Biden. And so there's not enough to believe that yet, but it's certainly possible to deny its possibility is insane. And the crazy thing to me is I don't understand why the benefit of the doubt is so easy to give to these Democrats. But it was so hard to ever give it to Trump and his family. The fact that Joe Biden has been around for 47 years is not a testament to his character. It's also not a testament to his competence. He left his first presidential campaign because he was plagiarizing speeches. And he still does that. Joe Biden rose to power in the first place because he was funded by banking and credit card companies in his home state of Delaware. Joe Biden lives like a king now. Where did all the money come from? Well, now we have a pretty good idea and our response is to deny it. It's just crazy. And so Trump made it through uh, the town hall unscathed. I mean, there's no backlash to anything. There's no like gotcha moment from last night. Most people's reviews of uh, Savannah Guthrie's behavior were uh, fairly atrocious because her behavior was fairly atrocious. Um they all think that everything is Twitter and that all you need to do is play to the people on Twitter. It doesn't matter if you're questioning the president. It doesn't matter if your job is specifically to enlighten the public. They've reinterpreted their job as trying to make Trump look bad so that they can save the nation because they learned so much in 2016 and now they know that an apple is an apple and a banana is a banana. Because they're so smart. So after the town hall ended, Tom Nichols, the man who uh, imagines himself as like the guardian at, the, at heaven's gate where everyone in heaven is an expert, he requests that journalists go out and find the name of the woman, the black woman, by the way, who was sitting in the frame, nodding her head behind Donald Trump when Trump would be giving his responses. She was clearly supporting Trump and his answers. And apparently to blue check Twitter, that is against the rules. So in one audience, Joe Biden has an Obama speechwriter and the wife of a Democratic politician or former candidate. They can ask Joe questions. But this woman, a black woman, can't sit there and nod because she happens to be in the frame that's being broadcast. And that's bad because she's not allowed to have her opinion. 
But of course, it gets worse than that because why are they so mad? Well, they're so mad because she's black. And a black woman nodding along to Donald Trump is by their standards not allowed because she doesn't represent the black community in quotes. And you see the same people who are incensed about the fact that this woman inadvertently had airtime and happened to agree with the president. If that had been her nodding behind Joe Biden, these people would have made her into the biggest meme of the day. It would have been all yes queens and she knows what's up and articles about how she just spoke for every black woman in America. That's how sick these people are. She's not one woman with her opinion sitting there because she wants to and, uh, and committing the unforgivable crime of being black while also supporting the president of the United States. And we're going to pretend that these people condemning her are not racist. What the fuck? And Tom Nichols not only went along with this line of thinking, he actually demanded that we find out who this person is. For what? So that she can be punished by Twitter? Well, yeah, that's exactly the reason he wanted to find out. And he's a respected public figure and public intellectual, also in quotes. How is this allowed? Like Twitter even has specific policies against doxing. And everyone's moral code should have policies against doxing. That woman does not deserve to be attacked by the internet for nodding in agreement with a duly elected president. This is deranged. Why do people want more of this? Why are people promoting this? And it's only because they feel so comfortable and so invincible that they can go out in the world and try to tear down private citizens because they don't think it's coming for them. It's just so awful. So yesterday in the afternoon, Steve Scully, who was supposed to moderate the debate that was supposed to happen last night, announced that he had lied about being hacked and that he was, in fact, communicating with Anthony Scaramucci. And now C-SPAN has suspended him indefinitely. The funny part is how many people in the media had rushed to his defense immediately saying that there's no way he would lie about something like that. And of course, he did. And it was obvious that he did at the time for anyone who is using their brain. And that is pretty much where the media is at now. 
using a presidential debate intentionally to promote one candidate and denigrate the other one. CNN's Brian Stelter announced his shock on Twitter, saying that it was harmful to the entire institution's reputation, failing to realize that the institution doesn't have a reputation due to people like him. And by him, I mean Brian Stelter, but both of them. And so that's just amazing. Chris Wallace was clearly on Biden's side. Savannah Guthrie was clearly on Biden's side. Steve Scully would have been on Biden's side. And next week we get Kristen Welker. And I don't know much about her, but there is a trend developing. And it's the same trend that's been going on for five years. It is unbelievable to me that people don't try to take account for the obvious media bias. And I hope and I have faith that normal Americans out there watching last night are smart enough to see what was happening and not completely delusional enough to just have been cheering along with Savannah Guthrie. But there are certainly enough of those. And finally, the Republican National uh, Committee has sent a complaint to the Federal Elections Commission that Twitter and Facebook have given an in-kind campaign contribution to Joe Biden. And I love that because months ago, I said that the media was an in-kind campaign contribution to Joe Biden, and they are. And all of that is just so preposterous and so destructive to our country. I really, really hope that Twitter and Facebook are like dismantled in some way, one way or another. What they are doing is unconscionable. And this is like so far beyond shutting down certain accounts or shadow banning or all the other stuff they do to manipulate the information stream. They suppressed information, legitimate information from a legitimate newspaper because they didn't like the impact it would have on Joe Biden's campaign. Seven out of Joe Biden's top 10 contributors are from big tech. It's not difficult to see what all this is. It's so strange to me that people are content to take each separate instance as totally distinct from the rest of the narrative and then try to punch little holes in each distinct instance. It's crazy. All of the 
actions, the facts, the stories point in the same direction toward media and tech complicity and support of the Biden campaign. We don't have to pretend that every time we see it, that we can probably just debunk it and then it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It goes one way all the time. And I actually just want to talk about one more thing, one more reaction from last night, which is just an ongoing reaction in general. Like I saw um, some people on Twitter who I actually have respected at different times, uh, Shadi Hamid and Christina Hoff Summers, both commenting on how, you know, Joe Biden is such a decent man and blah, blah, blah. I don't understand this argument. Joe Biden is not a decent man. His record doesn't show it. His personality doesn't show it. And his behavior now doesn't show it. His family doesn't show it. I mean, Hunter Biden is an absolute mess. And, you know, this is just, this is not a political thing, but it does point to how dysfunctional this family is. That Hunter Biden slept with his dead brother's wife. I'm not making that up. That's real. The corruption is everywhere. Joe Biden's racism is everywhere. His record of racism is everywhere. His record of corruption is everywhere. What in the world points to Joe Biden, political operator, ambitious cipher, For 50 years, what points to him being a decent man? I don't understand this. And I'm sorry about the uh, the the personal family tragedies he's had to endure. A lot of people have had to endure that. Some of them handle them really well. Some of them don't. But regardless, having dealt with personal tragedy does not in itself Make you a good man, a decent man. And so the truth is that this isn't even political analysis and it doesn't rise to the level of intellectual thought. It's just saying, you know, I like how this guy says the things he says. And this is what public intellectuals are saying. Who cares if they like the way he says the things he says? The things he says are preposterous and self-contradicting. He lies constantly. He literally said the American voters don't deserve to know his opinion on court packing. What about that is decent? And this whole narrative that Joe Biden is a return to normalcy is insane. First of all, the pre-Trump normalcy was what brought us Trump. That wasn't good. The country wasn't headed in the right direction back then. We were just keeping our heads above water, pretending that everything was okay. If you want a return to that, 
Good for you. I don't. The corruption of that system has been fully exposed. And it implicates all of the back to normalcy people. I don't want that at all. I don't know why anyone else does either. A Trump second term, when he does not have to run for re-election, will be a different political conversation in the country. And thank goodness. But saying that Joe Biden is a return to normalcy while he props up Anthony Fauci and his terrible mismanagement of coronavirus, while he champions ideas like wearing extra masks and doing more lockdowns, even though the WHO doesn't even support lockdowns anymore. That's not good. Joe Biden's spending plans are not good. These people are acting as if Joe Biden has a comprehensive plan and that Trump had no national strategy. Both of those ideas are ridiculous. Joe Biden denied last night that he says the Green New Deal is an important framework moving forward. It says it on his website. He also calls it the New Green Deal, which, I mean, what can you even say about that? He says it over and over again, the New Green Deal. None of this would be acceptable without a completely complicit media, period. Any normal functioning media would have torn his campaign into shreds 20 years ago. And of course, they did do that to him back then. The media hasn't investigated any of this. Where are if they want to debunk the Hunter Biden hard drive, why aren't they doing it? They're writing articles about how Joe Biden didn't actually influence the firing of Victor Shokin, even though he did, and he's bragged about it. Even though it was requested for Hunter Biden to get his dad to do that in the emails, that's not a problem. This is not a return to decency or a return to normalcy. This is handing the country over to someone who is completely enthralled to and most likely compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. And someone who did not bother speaking out against a summer of riots in Democrat cities allowed by his own party members. That's the leader we're pretending is going to be a return to normalcy, a return to decency. Give me a break. I'll be back Monday at a different reasonable time because I'm uh, on a flight that morning. I'll, it'll be a, a high afternoon. So different reasonable time, same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to Hope's Fall. Goodbye.
If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!